Welcome to Financial Analyst Warrior Podcast. This is Miguel Romain. And this is Mikola Domenko, and this is episode number 10. All right, so welcome back to episode number 10. Uh, today we have a very interesting uh, session for you. We would like to talk about two things, basically. Uh, one related to the exam and one related to a, to a real-life uh, business and entrepreneurship uh, scenario. So, uh, first of all, uh, we will uh, talk about an article that we actually wrote a while ago that we reposted recently uh, on our website. And uh, it deals basically with you know, how to incorporate a warrior routine or warrior mentality when it's come comes to studying for the uh, the CFA level one so Miguel yeah this is actually the re- one of the reason why we called ourselves financial and its warrior is because we noticed there's a, I guess a lot of similarities between studying for an exam and uh, <laughs> going to war uh, although we're not necessarily a warrior in the, the traditional sense but it's really a, like a in terms of preparing yourself mentally, this is this is tough. I mean, this is a, a big exam, for example, the CFA, and there's a lot, other exams like that too, like uh, if you want to be a CPA or, or whatever, but it's 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 a big commitment and you need to have the right mindset. That's the most important thing. And, uh, thing. and you know, the studying part is one thing, but the very often people neglect the mental preparation aspect of things so that this is the one of the reason why we um we, we wrote this uh, this article and that we wanted to discuss it uh, some of the the points or similarities between the warrior mindset uh, or mentality and the 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 candidate mentality or someone that's, that that wants to um to pass the uh, to pass the exam so the, the first thing is really the ritual you know one one you want, whenever you want to prepare for the exam you need to enter into a ritual and what I mean by that is really a routine for example if you if you study or if you go to the actual exam on exam day but even before that when you study for the CFA you need sort of a buffer period before you, you actually get into the studying for, so for example if you were working let's say you work a, you know a regular job nine to five you need some time you know to get yourself in the zone and this is really important you can't just you know finish whatever you were doing and then or if you're watching tv or whatever it is and go right into the studying and this is i think this applies for a lot of activities i like to especially activities that i need to concentrate to really have my full you know brain cell or brain power (laughs) so i need you know take a 15 minutes or maybe not 15 maybe 10 minutes five minutes what However, it doesn't matter the, the amount of time. It's just really to, to, to flush out whatever else you were doing and concentrate. This sometimes is accomplished through a series of, uh, of, of ritual. That's why I, I call it the ritual. It could be just taking out your, you know, your, your pens and highlighters and uh, placing them on your desk and you know, opening, lining up your books, for example. It could be you know, doing a little... Uh, that's not I'm joking <laughs> it could be like doing you know push-ups or whatever like it's just a little ritual that you do all the time exactly the same thing just to get you in the zone and some some people do that in the morning you know like for example when you 
when you wake up, you, you know, brush your teeth, pr prepare the breakfast or take your shower, whatever it is that you do in the morning. This is sort of a ritual to go from the state of sleeping to the state of working or doing whatever you do for a living. So this is something that very often gets overlooked and it's very important to me. I don't know if you have a, a ritual or when, when you study or because me, I, I used to have like a, a, a little, you know, routine that I go through. Like, you know, I, I just I place my 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 study books, my study guide, my my things. And I, I really take that time to kind of concentrate. Yeah. Uh, in my case, I um, I find that whether it's, uh, you know, uh, studying or when I was studying for the exam or uh, maybe to these days could be writing an article or something I find that the hardest part sometimes is getting started yeah. is you know uh, sitting down and actually starting to do the work um, so I definitely think that the uh, a little ritual or a different routine can just help you to kind of get things going and help you pass that initial procrastination phase that you could technically have let's say if you are thinking of, oh, I should really be studying, but let me just watch an another episode of, I don't know, House of Cards or something. Um, nice. it, it's really hard to kind of, you know, force yourself to, okay, let's stop this and let's 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 go study. But if you do have a little ritual, okay, like, like make some coffee, sit down, whatever, organize your stuff, or if you're at the library, uh, it could definitely help you get into the proper mindset, for sure. Yeah. Big believer in that. Yes. Yeah. The other thing is... Um the visualization and very often coaches if you play sports um, they'll they'll talk about visualizing the game you know visualizing the next game or the next uh, event uh, it's it works with sports and um, you know physical activities but it also works with the the exam so and even I would even say like studying and when you study you you kind of visualize I'm not saying like to spend half an hour visualizing yourself studying before actually studying, but for example, visualizing the exam, visualizing the exam day, you know, we're approaching the, the, the level one December exam and, you know, you, you can go to the, the actual location, visualize what you're going to do that day, you know, how you're going to dress even, how you're going to, what you're going to eat, uh, you're going to sit down and, and, you know, it, this helps reduce the stress because you kind of been through the process been through the scenario already and it reduces the stress or the um, uh, the unpredictable elements that could come up you know exactly what you're going to do if you, if you know exactly in advance what what's going to happen and what you're going to do it to me i find it's i'm, I'm confident in the fact that i know what's going to happen and i i don't ha I, I worry less that's yeah. that's my thing yeah, I think in my case, in, ter in terms of visualization when I was studying, or it was mostly about, I was kind of telling myself that, okay, if I study today and I get this done, then let's say I have two months before the exam, then I can visualize all the stuff that I will cover, yep. uh, study on different days of the week. Uh, so in a way, know that, okay, no matter what, if I just keep, keep working at it today, if I do this thing today, I know that I will have enough time to study everything to cover and prepare myself in advance yeah. so i think in my case I, instead of visualizing the actual it, because the first time you're writing the cfa level one it's it's like it might be hard to actually visual, visualize this this setting because you never experienced it but I, uh, I remember just visualizing me completing different things on different days and mm -hmm. kind of like this helped me to reduce the stress about uh, 
just making sure that I that I cover everything before yeah. the exam. Yeah, definitely. The uh, the other one is the the physical aspect of things, and it, obviously it's true for a warrior. You need to be physically ready to uh, you know uh, go to war. But the same thing for and you've heard that a lot. I guess it helps concentration to be physically ready or physically active. Uh, it and it really works, and that it's, it's no coincidence why you heard that many times before. Is that this is so true? I mean, if you're not physically active, uh, it's, it's going to be very difficult to con to sustain concentration for a, a, a good amount of time. And you know, actually, one story with that is that. Um, in uh, Chinese, uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly when, but back in the days of the, the warrior, <laughs> the Shaolin warrior, they they learn kung fu as a way to strengthen their body so that they can sustain long hours of meditation. So the the goal was not to to be physically active. The goal was actually to be able to meditate and sustain concentration for a long time period. But to do that, they had they needed a strong body. They need to have a, a like a physically active body so the same thing applies for the exam I mean the, the goal is to be able to sustain long hours of you know studying your study session reading and doing your your, um, your problems and you know sometimes it's it's, it's very hard for I, I find personally it's very hard for for my body anything that that I need to say stay you know not alert. moving yeah, and yeah. alert and for me it's very difficult because i'm a very fidgety guy right now I'm, I'm talking and i'm moving my hands and it's i, I need to move you know that's how, that's how i am so reading it was always very very difficult for me at school because i i can't stay sit for like three hours and not move I, I lose my concentration i start moving moving around shifting so what I used to do is that like 90 after 90 minutes of studying I go and like I walk I I make like whatever I push-ups uh, you, you <laughs> bicep curls whatever it is yeah. I need to move or, yeah. or involve my body in some some way uh, or even sometimes I, I would work out and then study when again I would find that I have more concentration after a, a little uh, workout or I go for a run or whatever it is yeah, in my case, actually, in, I, I find that working out, I personally prefer working out early in the morning before going to work or before doing anything. And uh, I find that when I don't work out in the morning, I find days to be less productive yep. and just less energy overall. But when I do work out, I find that from the in the morning I have, you know, I'm pumped. I have a lot of energy. I'm ready to tackle the day. Um, and uh, it's definitely it's when you're studying and when you're writing the exam, your your mental states will be totally different. I remember studying, and you know everything was taking so long, like these three hours or four hours I would study, or maybe five hours on the weekend. And it just I, I, I kind of dreaded it. Like it was really, really, it was long, it was boring, it was always the same thing. But on the exam, those three hours, like the time was flying so fast yeah. and you know I was like oh my god it's already two hours and I still have like 20 or 40 exercises to do it's 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 crazy like the perception of, of time uh, when you're studying and when you're actually writing the uh, the exam on the, uh, on the on the on the battle day yeah it's true and it relates to the fourth uh, item which is really discipline and this is this is a tough one because it's it's very easy to say okay you need to be disciplined but I guess the the truth is, from what I, from my observation is that some people have it, some people don't. 
you know, like in terms of, of discipline. But there are ways, even if you're not, you know, naturally inclined to having, you know, a, a disciplined life or, you know, the way you organize your time is not really disciplined. And for example, if you're supposed to study, let's say, three hours on Monday, well, you know, you need the discipline and the self-discipline. That's even the, the, like it's even harder because if you're in the army or whatever, there's someone else is imposing discipline on you. So you don't have a choice, you know. Yeah. But if you're kind of have a schedule or a plan, if, even if you have a great plan, a great study plan, you know, supposed to study three hours per night and on the weekend, 10 hours or whatever it is. Well, if you don't have the self-discipline to maintain that, uh, that studying regiment, well, Guess what? You're you're not gonna. It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. And the worst part is that if you start to fall off the the bandwagon early, well, it's very hard to catch up. You know, after after a while. So this is definitely difficult to to impose self discipline. And if you don't naturally have it, there are some ways. You know, and one of the ways that um, I use sometimes is to act as if I was being filmed okay it may look a bit weird <laughs> but i, I kind of act as if someone else is watching me so it kind of comes up to the same thing as having a, a discipline imposed by someone else because it, there's sort of the social pressure that i i can almost feel if i can visualize like people are watching me if I'm being lazy, I'm just, you know, just watching, you know, videos on YouTube or doing whatever, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't reflect good on me. So this is going to, you know, very often, this is this will motivate me to to maintain discipline because I want people to have that image of me. You know, this is this is one of my uh, my my little tip. Yeah. Well, actually, regarding the uh, the whole uh, being filmed uh, uh, thing or approach there's there's another uh, like I um, I recommend hearing one of Michael Hyatt's uh, po uh, podcast episodes basically Michael Hyatt has a uh, great podcast called this is your life and um, w one of the suggestions he he gives to kind of make your 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 everyday count or make them more productive is to basically think that you know let's say tomorrow when you wake up there's going to be a film crew that is going to be following you everything that you do and then at the end of that day they will use the footage to kind of show your legacy or to show who you were as a person to to your grandkids or their kids etc so if you kind of think about that you know you might s decide to do things differently on that day you might decide to wake up earlier you might decide to take care take better care of yourself that whether that's you know physical exercises or uh, reading or something like this you might become a better person being nicer to people uh, being more productive working harder working better or doing things that really matter less procrastination less tv and more things that actually make a difference at the end of the day um, so th this could also be a, a a way of kind of thinking you know if what i do tomorrow is going to be my legacy for the rest of my life and every imagine day, if you do that yeah, every day, every yeah, day then thing. then things could you could really become uh, more productive. And I saw somewhere it takes yeah. I think twenty days to build a habit, a new habit. Like for example, if you're not a naturally disciplined person, yeah. and if you use that that tip and you do that every day for like let's say twenty the, the next three weeks, for example, 
then yeah. it might you know you might even not need to visualize the film crew <laughs> anymore and it might be part of your regular routine yeah you know sometimes i think the 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 common thing thought is 20 to 21 days whatever yeah. it's like three weeks but i heard recently that actually the the, the new studies that are studying this phenomenon are saying that it's mostly like 60 days so close to about two months of oh, man <laughs> yeah you still got a long time to go. yeah <laughs> uh close to about two months of I'm gonna start tomorrow of routines or self-discipline to actually create a, a habit that you can do without really thinking about it um personally i also find that habit like it's much easier to get discipline as the stakes get higher so like I remember, you know, if when you have like six months before the exam, you're like, okay, I'm gonna study every day, but then I'm I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna do all these like pra practice exams and all that stuff, and you have all your schedule planned out, and then most likely you're not going to follow through initially. But then when you're approaching the exam, and the exam is like in three weeks or four weeks, and you you do your first practice exam then and you fail a lot like you basically see that you don't know anything in my case <laughs> that, that you know that happened more than once and um, then you're like okay i really gotta step up the game or i really i'm gonna fail this so it kind of the sense of urgency the 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 sense of if i don't study i i'm going to fail and the exam is in like three days it's three weeks or something kind of just acts by itself to create a discipline and um, especially i don't know if was in your case but in my case just before the exam like a couple of days before the exam especially the level one the first time I was writing it um, I was like I would be able to study almost the whole day without actually taking a break or feeling tired or anything because I, I had the the adrenaline of uh, of that of the, the fact that the exam is is around the corner if when I don't do this I'm probably gonna fail and I don't know I still hear all this stuff that I still don't know about the exam etc etc kick in yeah, yeah another thing that kind of relates to what you're saying is that one of the tips that in specifically for studying about the CFA because um, most of the things we said so far can apply to anything you're studying or anything you're doing in life really you it, the warrior mentality is not just studying for the CFA it's really anything you're yeah you're, for sure you do yeah. but Relating spe specifically to the CFA, if you don't have the discipline or motivation, I found myself that it was easier to study, uh, to actually do practice problems than to read the material. Because sometimes, you, you know, when you read the material, you read the study session, whether it's, uh, you know, study guides or the CFA book, you know, it's, uh, it's long, there's little examples, it's, uh, it's boring. There's a lot of boringness. <laughs> and problems for some reason you get you naturally you're more concentrated when you're actually trying to solve a question you know so if if I find myself with a very low amount of motivation but I need to put in those hours of studying I would go straight to problems you know do practice exams or some some sort of like practical stuff and it would be easier for me to get the motivation or to actually keep the motivation you know it's, yeah. it's easy to start studying but you know like after a while, if you're really busy, you're, you have anything will be an excuse to, uh, to you know, like go somewhere else or do something else, right? For so sure. if you do problems, I, I notice it's, it's easier. You can start doing problems and then maybe you can go back to studying if you find yourself uh, not, too, uh, not too motivated. Yeah, because I think for the exam, the best way to prepare is to do more practice yeah. exams, practice questions, exactly. end of session questions. It's, you can read all you want, but uh, 
you, unless you, you learn yeah. everything by heart, which is uh, not recommended really. Unless you yeah, have a crazy sure. memory like this guy on uh, Mike Ross. Mike Ross, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, definitely. You know, don't read everything. Just start practicing exams. Yeah. It's going to show you right away wh what are your weak points. Uh, you know, if you already know what a what a this uh, last last episode we covered. Uh, discount uh, cash flows or whatever yeah. those models if you already know what it is well don't read about it you yeah, know just no focus point. on on something that you don't know and personally i don't know for me really stress <laughs> and yeah. knowing that okay if i don't do this i'm gonna fail uh definitely helps me get my stuff together the thing with stress is that it's, it can also be a bad thing which is the the fifth point which is being fearless yeah um now if you stress yes it could be a good motivator but it could be detrimental if you have too much stress and it uh, clouds your judgment or it, it doesn't allow you to to you know really concentrate on the question and you need to be sort of confident when you walk in in the exam you know you need to be confident about your abilities and I notice a lot of people they, they know their stuff inside out but they get stressed especially the CFA exam if you if you've done it um, you know it's, a, it's like large auditorium with a lot of people sometimes like hundreds of people and or thousands. Thousands, yeah. It's, it's a lot of people. It's, it's, this is a stressful event, right? So you need to, to learn to be kind of fearless. And one thing that helped me is to visualize the worst case. Helped me being fearless is that, well, not that I'm <laughs> completely fearless, but it reduces the amount of stress or, or fear that you, that you feel and that allows you to concentrate better, is visualize the worst case scenario. You know, this applies, I guess, even more to real life, to any fearful situation in life. And it also applies to, you know, an exam is that just visualize the worst case scenario and what's going to happen when that scenario happens, you know, uh, and usually you'll find out that the worst case scenario is not that bad. An example of that is, uh, you know, going into business, like entrepreneurship. This is like a great example because I... You know, a lot of people are 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 scared of what might happen if they fail. You know, what's gonna what's gonna happen if my business doesn't uh, doesn't work? If I can't sell whatever I'm selling, uh, well, very often the answer is it's not that bad. You know, especially for example, in my case, if I go in business and it doesn't work, I try, you know, like any type of business and it doesn't work. Well, I can always go back and find a job. It's not that. It's not the end of the world. It's not, I'm not gonna not eat or like be on the streets or whatever. It's not the end of the world. It's so very often you're scared of something, and even if that worst case scenario, if everything goes wrong, everything like this something happens that uh, you know like unforeseen event that you fail completely miserably, it's not as bad as as you think. And if you actually visualize, take some time and visualize that scenario, the worst case scenario, you'll find that, you know, even if it's like a tiny probability, like a 1% probability of total failure, it's not that bad. And, you know, it's it's kind of worth it, you know? Yeah, you can always write the yeah. exam next time, especially exactly. for level one. It's so, uh, you know, it's giving twice a, twice yeah. a year. And actually, if you don't fail, then, oh, I mean, if you do fail, let's say the December exam, well, the, the June exam is just six months away. And if you actually keep, you you learn the results, I believe it's in February. 
I think, yeah. if you passed or fail. end of January. Or yeah, yeah, like yeah, exactly, like end of January, beginning of February. And if you did fail, well, just doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, you you know you subscribe to the you you register for the next exam, and you already have all this material that you can just build up. It's going to be easier the second time, so it's for not, sure. Uh, so yeah. just basically embrace failure. That's one of the and in life is I guess it's one of the my my top takeaway of the last ten years is to embrace failure. Not only failure is a great learning experience, it's actually it's learning experience even if you don't experience it. What I mean by that is that even if you don't actually fail, just visualizing failure, you're already a little bit better off because you know what's going to happen if you, you know, you know exactly what's going to happen if, if you fail. So obviously you make any every effort in your, uh, in your power to not let that scenario happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one, uh, that's one thing, fearlessness. And the last thing is, you know, the, um, the resilience. What I mean by resilience is that you you need to have a sort of a conqueror uh, mentality, you know. So one way to put it is to be like proactive and aggressive. When you, because a warrior really is, you know, it's it's aggression, right? You know, in a way. So don't be passive about the whole studying experience. So being proactive in life in general you know you have to be proactive not don't be a like a victim <laughs> of the exam you know you're, you're not uh you're not a victim here you're a warrior in the sense that you you know do everything that's in your power to succeed in the exam make all efforts uh, you know all the, answer all the questions possible and know also that even if you're if you're um if you're experiencing a bad streak, it happens very often, like especially in level two, where you have, let's say, six questions related to the same topic. And very often what's going to happen is that you're, let's say you, it's not really your strong topic and you'll not be able to answer the first question, second question, and a few like that in a row, very often it destroys your, your, uh, your self-confidence. Exactly. So you, you should remember that you can usually if there's 180 questions in the exam uh, you need about let's say let's agree on 70 percent which means on the, the whole exam you need you you can answer wrong like the wrong answer for 54 of the question and still pass right so even if you have a few questions wrong this is not the end of the world okay so don't let yourself be affected by a bad streak is the the main uh, the main takeaway here yeah. The seventy percent, just to make sure that's the pass rate, right? Well, uh, that's not the, the official pass. They, they don't give an official, yeah. like a, the official pass rate, but they say that in general, if you have seventy percent, most likely you'll. you'll yeah. Obviously, this is not. You shouldn't aim for seventy percent. You should aim for, I guess, at seventy-five. You're pretty sure of passing, yeah. or even eighty. Uh, so, for example, when you do like practice practice uh, exams, if you get seventy-five, like most likely you're you would you would you would have passed the. Uh, the exam, but uh, that corresponds to fifty-four wrong answers on on uh, on one hundred and eighty. So this is not this is a lot of questions that you can get wrong and still pass. So it's not that bad, right? Yeah, and I just remember like when you're actually studying and you're doing the practice exams. Uh, actually, I think the you have to do as many practice exams as possible mm -hmm. for if you're studying for this year, two thousand fifteen. Try to do practice exams from June two thousand fifteen, December and June two thousand fourteen, etc. Just you know. Do like a ten practice exams, yeah. um, as much as possible. As yeah, as much as possible, and do them once. You know, uh, study 
and then try to do them again and see how you do. But I always found that actually the exam itself, the questions on the exam are easier True. than the practice exams that are that you study with, let's say when you're using a Schweizer. Right. I don't know why, maybe just because you feel over, you are over prepared before going to the exam, you try to cover everything. But I, I kind of always find that the, the way that they structure the questions and the way they ask They never kind of try easier. to trick you. There's no yeah. trap or like trick questions. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I would say even like a third or like at least 20% of the questions are very basic, very easy without even studying. If you've studied a little bit of finance or if you have a little bit of background or understanding of finance without even studying the CFA curriculum, especially level one, there's like 20% of the question that anyone would get right so that's that's another thing yeah let's move on maybe to yep. the, the the other topic right. is basically you know we always try to to bring the cfa material that you study to a real life uh, situation because obviously you're studying a lot of theory you're doing a lot of exercises but when you do graduate or when you i mean you, you can't really graduate but when you do become a CFA charter holder, you know, what do you actually do with all this knowledge? How can you actually apply it to real life? And maybe instead of you uh, being a book smart, you know, how can you be more of a street smart type of person? Yeah. So we wanted to kind of give a, a quick example of how to uh, use capital budgeting um, when you're thinking of launching a small business. Yeah, because this is very popular. It, a lot of people here in Canada and in the US are they have the it's called the entrepreneurial fiber right so they, they want to start their own business and it's sort of the American dream right like to, to start your own thing and be uh, financially independent and let's be honest like a lot of the CFA material is based on you know capital markets and if you're investing in, in stocks that are publicly traded so some of the stuff we notice can be applied even for a small business even if you're launching your own small business regardless if it's in a financial world or if you're you know selling cupcakes for example there's some things that could be used for real in real life so one example of that is capital budgeting so for example let's say you're you are launching a cupcake uh, a little uh, store these are really popular yeah so uh, you like cupcakes you know? uh, not that not, much, too, much, uh, too much sugar too much sugar <laughs> So, uh, so if you're launching that, you can use capital budgeting, and I've seen and I've used that for, uh, for to help out some some friends who are launching their their own business. Uh, so, for example, net present value valuation. You can estimate the cash flow, and you can also do that with a, with a simple spreadsheet on Excel. And there are some templates that exist as well. So this is this is something that can actually help you determine the profitability of your business and even if you're planning on selling your business if you have a small business you can use capital budgeting to find the, the value of your business this is the discounted cash flow uh, method that that's part of the it's a pretty big part of the cfa and this is a one of the main ways to value evaluate a uh, business so you would forecast the sales forecast the uh, the costs of the business the taxes and everything and you would discount, let's say for 10 years, or five years even, and you would, including of, of course a growth rate, and you would be able to discount that. Now for the discount rate, uh, if specifically if, if you're using, a, I don't know, 
a cupcake uh, <laughs> example, you would try to find the discount rate relevant for that type of industry. So you could use a public company that are in the same industry and use their uh, discount rate. Obviously, the discount rate uh, is reflecting the riskiness of your business. Now, a startup or a small business that you're starting, right, it's a bit more risky than a large established company. So you might want to, you know, crank up the, uh, the the discount rate and like even do a little scenario analysis or a sensitivity analysis with different discount rates. This is all things that you can do on your own and, you know, you, some of the material from the CFA you can use exactly as is and even I would say it's going to be even more precise if it's your own business because you can better estimate the cash flows, you can better estimate the cost, the sales, because you know the market, right? So it's going to be even more accurate than if you're trying to do that with an established uh, company. So this is just one example of uh, some of the stuff that uh, there's obviously there's other stuff that you can uh, you know apply if you're um, if you're a, a charter holder, but uh, or a, your CFA or yeah. studying for the CFA, but that's one. Uh, that's just one of the things. So yeah, and I guess maybe uh, just going back to uh, to to the curriculum for the level one, as we wrote in the CFA level level one hacks, uh, maybe just remind you of five uh, key principles of capital budgeting. Uh, basically, use cash flows, not accounting income. Yeah. Uh, cash flows are based on opportunity costs. Uh, that includes incremental cash flows. You know, account for time value of money. That's important. Yeah, that's when you're yeah. discounting the, the cash flow. You know, you're going to estimate. It could be even monthly, yearly cash flows. And then obviously you're going to have to discount all of that. Yeah. Of course, use after after tax cash flows. Uh, and the lastly, of course, financing costs are included in, in the uh, required rate of return. Right. Uh, not cash flows. Yeah, so these are, these are really simple, basic finance stuff, but a lot of people that are starting businesses, and even if you have people in your uh, entourage that are starting business, uh, very often they don't know about the time value, the discount rate, this and that, the financial, like very basic financial uh, uh, notions. So you, maybe you can even help them out, uh, you know, use your financial knowledge in, in real life to help, uh, help them out doing a little uh, NPV valuation. That, that would be... Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess that wraps it up for yep. this episode, episode number 10. Once again, we appreciate um, your feedback, your question. If you have a chance, go to iTunes and uh, leave us a review uh, of the, uh, the podcast. If you have any questions, please feel free to write us through our website. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, so we wish you the best of luck on the uh, CFA Level 1. And thanks for listening.